Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're starting a new series, How to Raise Your Parents. Um, Why would I put How to Raise Your Parents? Because that's kind of a weird way of saying it. Usually parents are supposed to raise their kids, but here's the secret. Um, Most of you, your parents maybe wouldn't admit this, but they have no idea what they're doing. Um, Because I'm a parent and I can tell you this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never known what I was doing. Remember the first poopy diaper I changed? It was in the hospital and April was still recovering, so she couldn't change it. So I was like, they should like give some kind of training on how to do this. And April's downstairs with helping with tag, but she would tell you like, I was like freaking out. Like I was not yelling, but like I was like, you know, that passive aggressive when you're talking like this and you're just clipping it. I'm like, what am I supposed to do here? You know, she's like barking out commands at me from the bed in the hospital. Like all you've got to do is, you know, just, just, just take the old diaper out, use a couple baby wipes and then put the new diaper on. But I mean, I was just lost in a sea of, you know, and it was the, not to gross you out, but the first diaper is usually a pretty big doozy and a pretty smelly one. Anyway, I had no idea what I was doing when she was a baby, and now she's five, and I still have no idea what I was doing. She's asking me questions, you know, like, why do, boy, why do boys go to the boy potties and girls go to the girl potties? I'm like, ask your mother. Like, <laughs> you, so your parents have to try to figure out how they're going to raise you, but you're also in the same situation as your parents, Like, you didn't choose what family you were born into. You didn't choose what parents you have. You didn't choose that your dad likes to make really corny jokes. That's just the family you were born into. You didn't choose that your mom feels like she has to insert yourself into every conversation you're having with people, but that's the family you're born into. So just like your your parents, all of a sudden, boom, they had you. They don't know what to do with, with you. You, all of a sudden, boom, you're a teenager, and you have parents. And you're like, what do I do with them? So I went through a couple possible series titles before I settled on this one. I want to kind of read them off to you. The first title, I I ditched this one, but the first title is My Parents Are Crazy. Um, I've got a slide for that one. Um, (laughs) I searched searched awkward family photos, and and this one kind of took the cake. Um, Maybe you feel like this little girl. um, But here's the thing you're going to learn in this series is, and I really believe that all parents are crazy, but I believe it's the... it's you that made your parents crazy. It's me that made my parents crazy. It's my daughter that has made me crazy because something snaps in your head when all of a sudden you have to protect a human life. Um, so I was thinking about my parents are crazy. I thought about the parent trap because um, you're going to learn some tips and tricks in how to like, how to interact better with your parents, but this is not meant so that you can like try to manipulate your parents into giving you things or um, you know, relaxing their rules. So the parent trap, that was kind of next. Um, you can live with them, but you can't kill them. I thought that may be good because, you know, some of you are like right there because you just, you, you feel like you just can't take it anymore. Um, but I want you to do better than just like coping and just dealing with your parents. And then the final one, my dad is a lot like Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong-un. But, um, <laughs> um, but, but, but no, you, you know, you, you'll probably find out that your dad's a lot more reasonable than you think he is. So, um, so as we're going into this series, what I want to do is I want to ask you this. Don't like necessarily raise your hands. This is a mental question that I want you to answer mentally. On a scale of one to five, five being my dad is Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong-un. Yeah, one being like the worst and five being the best. How would you rate your relationship with your parents. 
So you know, if, you have a, if you have maybe like a non-existent or a really, really, really bad, maybe like an abuse, like there was abuse going on or there was you know, something really bad that happened with one of your parents, you may be in the one category. If you've never had a fight with your parents, which probably is nobody, it, it, but if, if you're like, nothing is wrong, you don't think anything could be wrong, it'd be five. Where would you be in that mix? You know, maybe you're, maybe you're like a four and things are pretty good, you fight every once in a while. Maybe you're like a two, you're like, your house is on the verge of anarchy. But here's, here's what I want you to think about. I've seen people go from a four to a two really quick because your, your life is changing at a rapid pace. Some of you are driving like on your own. And a year ago, like you had to have your parents take you anywhere, everywhere. And now all of a sudden, like you can just run over people if you want. Like you have that, your life, not that you would want to do that, but your life is changing at a rapid pace. So I've seen people as they're getting older and they're like, I don't need my parents anymore. I don't need to listen to my parents. Go from a four to a two really quick. So what I want you to be thinking about what you should be thinking about is your relationship with your parents. Remember, your parents are crazy because of you. That's the first thing you have to remember. Um, you have to remember that your, some of your best memories are going to be made with your parents. Like, I can look back on, like, memories that I made with my parents. And that we, I had some, like, really good memories. Like, you know, my mom taking us to the park and, you know, just all those cool little, like, parent memories. But then, again, what you're probably thinking, too, is maybe some of your worst memories also could be with your parents or with one of your parents. Like your, your worst memories have to do with your mom and dad divorcing or custody battles or you know, maybe one of, your, one of your parents is no longer in your life. So, so, so maybe for you, some of your worst memories are also attached to your parents. But either way, your relationship with your parents is going to have a huge impact on your life, whether you like your parents or not. I mean, some of you like your parents, and that's great. Some of you don't like your parents. I want you to understand that your relationship with your parents is going to have a huge impact on your life. But the good news is, you can raise your parents. You can change the relationship. A relationship is a two-way street, right? So we're going to learn two things about raising our parents. And of course, we're going to look at the Bible as we, as we look into this. Because you know, the Bible gives a God, not just for parents, but actually a God for, for students, a God for, a God for kids, for teens, and even adults on how to treat their parents and how to raise their parents. So if you have your Bible, the basis like of our series is Proverbs chapter 10, which was in your Devo challenge. If you're in a tag group, it was in your Devo challenge. I don't know how many of you read across Proverbs 10, but this verse was in the Devo challenge, and it's Proverbs 10.1. It's a very short verse, but this is, this is how it reads. It reads, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. So you know me, I'm a highlighter. I whip out my highlighters and I just start highlighting verses and, and, and interactions. So I highlight it on here. You, do you see the relationship here? A wise son, which means someone who makes right decisions, someone who does what's right, makes makes a glad father. So that means you have the ability to make your parents, it's not just about, it is about pleasing your parents, but it's not just about doing things to make them happy, but it's about actually changing, the, you can actually change the attitude of your parents. Did you know that? That's pretty wild. And the, but then there's a but. It says, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. So what we learn is that we can be dry, the drivers of our parents' emotions. Some of you are like so good at that. 
Like you can, get, you can get your mom from zero to 60 in like five seconds. And you don't even have to say a word. Like you've gotten it down to such a science. All you gotta do is give your mom a look when she says something to you. And all of a sudden your mom is just like, you know, like all of a sudden, like if there was a female version of the Incredible Hulk, it would be her. Because you, you know, in your heart, you know this verse is so true, isn't it? So true that you can raise your parents. You can make an impact on your family. When, when I read through Devo, sometimes I just like stop on a verse and it gets me thinking so much that I kind of almost push pause on my life and I stick on that verse for a couple days. I don't know if you do that, but that's what I do when I, as I'm reading the Bible. If a verse just like, it's like a two by four to the side of the head. I think this verse is kind of like a two by four to the side of the head because so many of us, and this is me included, by the way, your relationship with your parents doesn't end when you turn 18, move it out of the house. Like, I still have a relationship with my parents. So many of us think we can't change the relationship that we have with our parents. But the fact is, the Bible says it's true. So we're gonna be talking about two things as with this verse as the basis. And the first one that we're talking about tonight is we're gonna talk about building trust with your parents. Um, trust is something we don't like to talk about because trust, you want to think about this, trust is built over, I would say, trust is built over the course of months and it's lost over the course of minutes. Do you understand what I'm saying in that? This is where the illustration comes in because we're going we're gonna to really think about trust here with this illustration and then we're going to dive in and see what the Bible says about building trust with your parents. But let me kind of explain this to you. Um, I have set this up um, you know, if you're new here, what you learn is sometimes Matt's object lessons work well, sometimes they don't. Uh, so this is, it's always an experiment. It's kind of like science class. But let me, let me try to explain how trust is built over months and lost in minutes. Let's do a scenario here. Um, you're at the movies. You asked your parents, hey, mom, can I go see a movie with Jed and Blake? And they're like, well, I don't know about that Blake guy, um, but since Jed's with you, um, yeah, you guys can go. Um, and your mom said, you know, when, and, mom, and, and your mom says, when do you expect you home? When, do you, when should we expect you home? You said, about 11 o'clock, the movie starts at nine. And they said, and they said, okay, make sure you're home by 11. You say, I'll be home by 11. Well, you go and with Jed and with Blake and you see the new Stephen King movie, you see the new It movie. And you know, whether or not you should see that's probably a matter of discussion because you don't want to have bad dreams at night. But you're watching the movie and it takes longer than you thought. And it's 10.45, movie's still going, takes you 10 minutes to get home. You're like, I'm not going to make it back by curfew. So you're faced with a choice, and you decide that even though, even though that Cinemark's rules, where's Musgrave at? Even though Cinemark's rules say, don't get your phone out because it blinds the audience. You, you, you disobey Cinemark, I call it Skidmark, Sidmark, Cinemark's rules, Sorry, Jordan. You disobey Cinemark's rules. You get your phone out. You shoot a text to your mom or your dad, and you just say, hey, the movie's going a little long. Is it okay if I get home at 1030? And your parents are like, sure, yeah, it'll let us finish watching Jimmy Fallon or whatever and just be home at 1130. So you get home at 1130. You warned your parents you'd be late. You texted them. You contacted them so your mom doesn't think you're, like, on the side of the road somewhere. So all of a sudden, this is your trust bank, by the way, that you've stored trust with your parents. All of a sudden your trust bank grows a little bit. And you've got some trust established with your parents. And they trust you somewhat. But there, here's the problem. You know, midterms are coming out, or they've come out. How many of y'all got your midterms? 
So I saw some of your faces, they're like, oh man. <laughs> you know, midterm came out, and in social studies, you have a D. And that's not good. Your mom's not happy about that. Um, so, so after dinner, you go upstairs every night, and you spend about 30 minutes to an hour working on your social studies homework. And you do that for a week straight. You get a really good grade on the test. You show it to your parents. They see that they didn't have to, like, like kick, you, kick, you know, kick you in the backside and get you motivated to study. You did it on your own. You build a little more trust. Your trust bank is almost, it's almost full. And then... You've established a lot of trust with your parents, then you go up to dad and mom and dad, and you say, hey, listen, I got, I got a hot date. I got this girl, she said she'd go out with me. Her name is, I don't know, what do you, what do you want the girlfriend's name to be? Sally. Sally. I want to go out with Sally. Um, dad, would it be okay if I used the car? Would it be okay if I stayed out till about, I don't know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock? Your dad says, we'll make it 10 o'clock. Well, you take Sally to um, dinner and a movie, take her to Red Lobster for dinner. And uh, you take her to see a movie, not it. And, um, and, and the date goes great. I mean, you're practically, I mean, you've already got it figured out. You know, pretty much case closed. You're going to marry this girl, have 5.6 kids with her, uh, white picket fence. You've got it all figured out. And, um, but here's the good news. On your way home, you stop by the gas station and, and fill up with the money you have left over from your date. You fill up the car with gas. You drive it home. Dad gets in the car the next day, turns the car on. He sees a full tank of gas, and he's really, really happy. He tells mom about it. And now, your trust bank with them is complete. They completely trust you. Totally, completely trust you. So you've built a lot of trust up with them. And it took a long time. It took months and months and months and months and months and months and months. So since you've established all this trust, your parents are very trusting of you. Now, you ask them a question. You're thinking, since I've been such a good, good little boy good little girl. Um, my friends, I need some more theoretical friend names. Help me out. Jimmy, Jimmy and Larry. Need a, a girlfriend too. Sally, Sally the girlfriend, right? See, yeah, you're, you know, you're still texting Sally every day, you know? So you say, hey, hey, um, hey mom, hey dad, can Jimmy and Larry and Sally and I, we want to take a day trip up to Kings Island on Saturday. Now, I'll pay for the gas, of course. I'll take care of the car. I'll drive, so that way I'll be in control of things. Your mom and dad think it over, and they're like, man, you know, that's, that's a long way to drive. You know, not so sure about that Jimmy guy. You know, we don't know if we like Sally yet. Like, so, so, but they're like, you know what? He's been doing his homework. He's been responsible with the car. We trust him. So they say, yes. We get to Kings Island. You're having such a good time. You know you need to leave by about like 9 o'clock to be back by the time they told you to be back at, at 11. We probably need to leave earlier than that. Um, you need to leave about 6 o'clock. You want to ride the beast one more time. You want to ride drop zone, vortex one more time. Jimmy, who's kind of like the bad influence, is telling you, like, it really doesn't matter when you get home. Like, as long as you get home in one piece, your parents will be happy. Just don't worry about what they say. Well, you leave at about, and they're going to be haunting it. So you're like, you leave at about 9 o'clock. You get home at like one o'clock. Your mom has already called like every hospital, listening to the police scanner. You know, she's paranoid. She's, she's real upset. You get home, they're not happy, right? So now you lose a little bit of trust with your parents. And your trust bank all of a sudden is not quite as high as it used to be. Do you see your trust leaking? 
You're losing trust because you, you did not do what your parents asked you to do. So you're losing some trust. So your parents probably aren't going to let you go back to Kings Island again. But they say, you know what? What's, what's, what's our figurative person's name? Coming up, do what? John. That's a very generic name. Um, John is still a pretty good kid. He got a little, a little lost track of time at Kings Island. We can understand that. So we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. Well, you're doing so well in your social studies class, you decide, I can probably bomb one test. I can probably bomb one test and get away with it. So instead of studying for your social studies test, you talk to Sally on the phone for two hours. Because, I mean, you know, you're pretty much going to marry her, right? Because you had two good dates. So you talk to Sally on the phone. Don't study for your social studies test. And all of a sudden, you bomb a test. Then you bomb another test. And now, your parents get the report card. And you know how it is. You always have the one parent that's real easy on you grade-wise and the one parent that's real hard on you grade-wise, right? And the one parent who's real hard on you grade-wise, your mom... She gets really upset. And she says, you know what? You're grounded for a week until you work on the social studies. So now your trust used to be up here, and now it's all the way down here. So you're grounded for a week. You're ungrounded officially. Your grounding ends on Friday. And you ask your parents, can I go hang out with Jimmy and Larry and Sally again? And... Uh, and mom is like, absolutely not. Yeah, you're doing it. Yeah. Remember Kings Island? Yeah, remember how you're bombing your homework? And dad says, you know what? Let the boy have a little fun on a Friday night. And he says, and they agree, and they say, you've got to, but you've got to be back by 1030. Well, as we said, Jimmy's a really bad influence, and Jimmy's parents are out of town. Um, and uh, Jimmy knows where his parents hide the booze, and he's got like pretty much half the school coming. And you're like, I probably shouldn't go there, but maybe I should. And one thing leads to another. And you're there till like 2 a.m. You make some decisions you shouldn't. You get home at 2 a.m. You think your parents are asleep. Here's the one thing you will learn one day. Your parents are never asleep when you're out. Like, even if they pretend they're asleep, they're not asleep. Your parents are always going to be awake. And you get home, you think you're going to sneak right in, and guess what? Your mom and your dad are on the couch really upset watching whatever's on at 2 a.m., which is not much. And all of a sudden, your trust bank is gone. Maybe you haven't had experiences that went exactly like this, but you understand what it's like to not have trust with your parents. Or maybe you think, I wish my parents would let me do more. I wish my parents, this is what I thought when I was, when I was in high school, I wish my parents would trust me. Do my parents not know, do my parents not, not know that I'm not stupid and I understand what's going on and I can take care of myself. What I want to do, if you want to build trust with your parents, I want to examine four things in the Bible, four practical ways that you can build trust with your parents. You know, some lessons, they take a long time to set up and then I give you like four things at the end. This, this time, I want to give you the four things and really build it up. Because if you do these four things with your parents... Once you pick your parents' jaw up, 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 off, up, off the ground. I can't talk tonight. I'm sorry. I had a bad day today. I was using my protein bottle, 
and I was shaking it, and I didn't have the cap on, and I just, it was like a fountain of protein all down my face, down my shirt, and I had to wear it for the whole day. It's just, that's how my day's going. Anyway, I want to tell you these, if you do these four things, you will have to pick your parents' jaw up off the floor because they'll be so surprised. But after you pick their jaw up off the floor, I think what you're going to learn is you're going to have trust established with your parents. So let's talk about the four things that we need to do. And the first thing we need to do, you need to do, is you should obey your parents. Um, this is the one, you, you I looked it up in the original Greek, and what does it mean to obey your parents? Well, it means obey your parents. So there's no, no getting out of that one by doing a Greek study. Obey your parents. Ephesians 6.1. You may want to turn to Ephesians 6.1, because we're going we're gonna to look at it, a couple verses in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6.1, this is what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Um, it says, obey your parents. I looked this word up, like I said, in this word, it's hapakao. It's a compound, and you may not think this is interesting. I think this is interesting. It's a compound word. It brings together two ideas. It brings together the word hyper, which means to place beneath something, and ako, which means to listen to a command. So literally what this verse is saying is children, people who are living in their parents' house, put yourself under the command of your parents and listen to what they say and do what they say. But then it gives kind of like, something else here, a preposition that says, children, obey your parents. How? Obey your parents in the Lord. We did a series a while ago on family, and we put in here the quote, the gospel changes the way you family. We turn family into verb. The gospel changes the way you family. The cross changes the way you family. You look around, and you know what I've noticed about your generation is your generation is usually it's the parents telling the teens what to do, but with your generation, it's like the teens tell the parents what to do. I was like, that's really weird. You're like, that doesn't happen in my house. Well, I see it happen. Yeah, y'all have that friend that they just pretty much tell their, their mom or tell their dad what's up, and their friends are like, uh, okay. You know, like, Addison ain't gonna do that, I'm gonna tell you right now. But anyway, um, around you, you see probably people that you know that don't care what their parents say. They don't care if their parents tell them to do something or not to do something. They just do whatever they want. But there's something different about people who are washed by the blood of the lamb. There's something different about people who believe in Jesus. We've been given a new life. We've taken off the old life. You see people around you that are living the old life. We live a different life. So when it says, obey your parents in the Lord, it means this is, a new, this, is, this is because you are in Jesus. Jesus is in you. You're in Jesus. You've been saved. You obey your parents in the Lord. And then it says, for this is right. It's the right thing to do. You know, <laughs> You know what's so interesting is that if you go to other societies, even societies that really don't believe in Jesus, children are still expected to listen to their parents. So it says this is right. It's just, this is right. The common sense says this is the right thing to do, but God put it in the Bible so that we could understand it, so that we knew this is exactly what he wants us to do. So obey your parents. You want to establish trust with your parents? If your parents tell you to do something and you don't do it, you think you're going to be adding or subtracting to your trust bank. You're going to be subtracting. Did you know that even little things build trust over time? Like if you're, the worst one for me was clean my room. Like I, I hated to clean my room. And like the older I got, the less I did it. Um, but you know, something as simple as if your mom tells you clean your room and you clean your room, boop, you got a little deposit in the trust bank. Obey your parents. You want to know a good way to totally lose out, to totally drain your trust bank? Do something your parents 
don't want you to do or don't listen to your parents. The next thing uh, we're supposed to do, you keep reading in this verse, it says, honor your parents. Ephesians 6, 2, it builds off Ephesians 6, 1. It says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. You may enjoy a long life on earth. Breaking this one down, remember how, how we said that when you obey your parents, it's you're listening. This word for honor It's an interesting word too. And what this word meant was that you estimate or place value on something. So it says we're supposed to estimate or place value on our mother or our father. For some of you, that's easier to do than others. I have a, um, there's there's someone I know, um, she's a little bit older than you guys, but she had absolutely no relationship with her father. Her father walked out on her when she was just like a kid. So, like, she was always, she'd always talk about how Father's Day was the, her least favorite day of the year because of that. And she referred to her father not as her father. She just said, he's just, he's, he's my sperm donor. That's all he is to me. Like, that's, that's, the, that's what she called him. Um, and maybe you have that kind of situation, like, where one of your parents is not a part of your life. And, and, and you read this verse, and it says, honor your father and your mother. Like, how am I supposed to do that? When you read it in its context, and it says, estimate the worth of your mother and father. Here's what I do know. You may not have a great relationship with your dad, with your mom, but here's what I do know. The first thing is God chose that person to give you life. So you don't have to honor the terrible things he did or the irresponsible things that your mother did, but what you can honor is that person was used by God to bring you into the world. Um, For some of you, it's a little easier to put honor on your parents because you, know, you can think of the sacrifices they make. Estimate what your parents are worth to you. Imagine what life would be like without them. And maybe some of you know what that is and you understand just how valuable parents are to you. So we put value on them. Um, the next thing it says is this is a commandment. So this is non-negotiable. Like, this is not one of the, you know, some people take, think the Bible is like the, the golden corral, you know, and you just kind of, oh, I want to, you know, g- g- give me some of those potatoes. I think I'm going to pass on the Chinese section of golden corral because that's pretty sketch, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to read Jeremiah, but, you know, give me a little Luke, you know, and, and we think that we can just kind of like pick and choose what we want to do. But look, it says, this is a commandment. We are, every Christian should honor, should place value, estimate the value on your mother and your father. And look, there's a promise attached to this commandment. Not all commandments have promises attached to them. This one does. It says that it may go well with you. You may go well, excuse me, it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. The the word that is associated with prosperity and peace of mind. You know what I've learned? And I wouldn't necessarily, I don't watch these shows and I mean, I mean, sometimes you're flipping through and it's kind of like, you know, a train wreck. You just kind of have to look for a couple of minutes. When you watch those talk shows and you bring people out you, and, and they're all messed up, what's one of the things they always point to? They were always like, my dad never treated me well. My, I was never good enough for my mom. Um, if you don't come to peace with the relationship with your mom and the relationship with your dad, that's something that's hard to get over even as you get older. You know, I know some people, because their parents were a certain way, it affected their decision. They're like, I'm gonna move to the other side of the country so I can be away from my parents. So they think that they're being independent from their parents, but they're really not because their parents are the ones that made them move away from their hometown. So be at peace 
being at peace does not mean you give your stamp of approval to everything somebody did. I'll tell you, as a parent now, I see now that I'm a parent, I can tell you as a parent, I'm not perfect and I mess up. There have been times where, like, maybe I didn't handle a situation right with Addison, and there's, I'm sure there are times, because your parents are humans, um, that there were, they, there were times they didn't handle a situation right with you. And honoring your mother and father doesn't mean that you have to give a stamp, a stamp of approval on the way that they treated you or on something they did to you that you think was not right. But what it means is you realize their place in your life was ordained by God and you give them the honor they're due. So um, honor your parents. You you, you show your parents appreciation. You vocalize to your parents their value. You'll get a lot of trust built up. The next one is incredibly practical. Um, And this is the one, um, (laughs) I don't know if you've taken driver's ed before, but um, the next one that you, you can go to the next slide uh, they're doing. I don't know if you've taken driver's ed before, um, but I've got kind of an interesting story about driver's ed. The driver's ed teacher would always say the most um, important thing you can do as a student who's learning to drive with your parents, was it stressful for you or is it stressful for you? It was incredibly stressful for me. Like my dad was, he, he would be so high strung. Like when we'd be going by where like the, um, the telephone poles were, he would go like this because he was afraid, like, I was going to hit the telephone poles. He was just so nervous. I don't know if your parents are, like, those of you that are doing the learner's permit thing, your parents are so nervous. It's like, you know, let's give Dad a couple Prozacs before we get in the car, you know? <laughs> you know but um, but here, here's something that's so interesting. The driver's ed teacher um, that taught at our school, he doesn't teach her anymore, what he would tell students to do is, as you're driving with your parents, this sounds ridiculous, but it works, as you're driving with your parents, you tell your parents the, the hazards that you see on the road. It's like if you see a car that's about to pull out in front of you, as you're coming and as you're getting ready to slow down, say, I see that car that's getting ready to pull out in front of me. I see that deer over there. I see Bambi. You know, and, and you tell your parents the hazards that you see ahead, and you know what? Your parents start to learn, okay, they see that, they see that, they see that. They're doing pretty well. I can trust them. But if you're just driving along and every time your parents see something that could be a hazard in the road and they kind of mention it to you, you're like, I know, mom. You know, how well do you think that works? How well do you think that works? This doesn't just apply to driving. This applies to life. Communicate with your parents. Believe it or not, your parents are a little more hip than you give them credit for. I know you don't think so. I know you, I mean, you've seen your dad do that dance and yeah, but... but <laughs> your parents are just a little more, they know a little more than you think they do. They've probably lived a life very similar to you as a teenager, even though things have changed and they didn't have Netflix. And they, and they see some of the hazards that are coming out in front of you in life and they're scared to death that you're gonna run right into them. You wanna establish trust? You say, yeah, mom, I know midterms are coming up. Yeah, mom, I know there's a lot of creepers out there and I promise not to date any of them. You communicate with your parents. This verse in Proverbs says, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not listen to your rebuke. This is me, you know, this is not a popular thing for me to say, but your parents are more hip than you think they are. They know more about the direction you're heading than you think they do. And they've got some good things to tell you if you'd listen. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with it all. It doesn't mean you have to obey. But if you listen and if you communicate. Some of you, let me just give you a real life scenario here. You're going out to eat after church tonight. 
And rather than you just go down to Taco Bell and your mom's like, where are you? All caps, dot, dot, dot. You say, you, say, you, you, call, your, you know, call your mom or you text your mom and say, hey mom, can I go down to Taco Bell with Jed, Blake, and Avery? Don't worry, Evan's not gonna be there. You know, <laughs> or you don't leave out the one bad person that your parents don't want you to hang out with. You give your parents all the information. You talk about building trust. You will build trust the more you communicate with your parents. And here's, here's the last one. Tell the truth. Please, 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 please. This may be the most the worst trust buster ever. There's a reason I have Chipotle and E. coli on there. You know, I don't know if you heard that Chipotle had this food poisoning issue. Well, guess who ate the Chipotle and got the food poisoning? This guy right here. Guess who will never, ever, if you work at Chipotle, I'm sorry, or your dad owns the Chipotle over here, I'm sorry. I will never go back to that Chipotle. You, you know, want to know why? Not to be gross, but I cannot get the image of that Chipotle puke out of my mind, and I probably never will. Probably never will. This verse here in Proverbs 12, 19, it says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is like a moment, or is but for a moment. You wanna know what happens when you lie to your parents about something? First off, they're gonna catch you. See how it says a lying tongue is for a moment? You call your parents, you text your parents, you give them the wrong information about what you're doing, guess what? Before you pull into the driveway, they already know what you did. Because what you, what you don't know is your, your parents have this friend network that is ridiculously extensive. And they know where you are. You don't think they do. You know, you've got location services disabled on your phone. They know where you are. There's some old lady with blue hair driving her boat down Route 60. And she saw you with those people. And she's already called saying, yeah, I saw Blake with those kids. And they were driving 60 miles an hour down Route 2. And, and your parents already know. So first off, it's just ridiculous to, to try to lie. But here's the second thing. Your parents will never get that out of their mind. Just like I can't, every time I think Chipotle, I think, you know, your parents will not get that out of your mind. So guess what happens? You lie to them, and then you try to do something. You try to get them to trust you again with the information. You think you're going to have anything in the trust bank? Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. I put down, lying to your parents is the trust as food poisoning is to your favorite restaurant. Um, tell the truth, tell the truth. So yeah, this has kind of been like a patchwork of Bible verses, but what I hope you want understand is sometimes we talk about like theoretical theology and you know, we, we get real deep. This is very practical. I want you to see that the Bible is not, you know, it's important that we know the doctrine of the Bible, but the Bible also talks about what you deal with in your lives every day. It talks about your parents. It talks about trust. It talks about rules. And I really think if you do these four things this week, I dare you. Some of you that can't turn down a dare, I'm one of those people, I can't turn down a dare. I dare you to do these four things this week. Obey your parents, honor them, communicate, open your mouth and talk to your parents and they'll have a heart attack. Yeah, it, open your mouth, talk to your parents, and then finally tell them the truth and watch your trust bank Get way back up to the top, and before you know it, you'll be driving with Sally to Kings Island again and getting back on time. So let's pray. We'll get out of here, and we'll talk about our parents in our tag groups. Uh, Father, thank you that um, you give us truth that we can live by. Uh, thank you that your, 
your words are even written 2,000, 3,000, some 4,000 years ago, are still so incredibly relevant today. Um, You know, fads have passed away, but your word stands true. Your word is so great. Um, We can never outlive, outrun, um, outthink what you have to say to us. So God, I pray that as tonight, the lesson was very, very practical, um, that you'll give us the courage to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.